Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Bossed Up, the podcast. I'm your host, Bossed Up's founder and CEO, Emily Aries, and I am so excited to pick up this podcast episode where we left off last week. But before I do, I want to make one quick announcement and make sure that you are invited to our upcoming Bossed Up Power Hours. On March 21st, we've got a totally free, fun evening of networking and connecting with other rad Bossed Up women happening in Atlanta. And on March 22, the next evening, we've got another amazing Bossed Up Power Hour planned for you led by our local ambassadors. So to get all the details and register right now for free, head to bossedup.org and scroll down just below the main banner. You'll see all of our upcoming in-person events like these two power hours and online webinars. Today's episode is sponsored by Crude, the plant-based oil cleansing products that have helped thousands of people, myself included, feel confident in their own clear skin. I spoke to Crude's founder, master esthetician, Denise Cartwright, about what inspired her line of suds-free cleansers. I started experimenting with oil cleansing six years into my career as a master esthetician. And I started giving my oil blends to my clients. And within six months, I had helped more people heal their acne than I had in six years using all of the most cutting edge facial treatments. I want women to feel empowered in the wisdom of their own bodies. And I want them to feel free of the pressure to buy into these 15-step skincare regimens. So Crude takes a leave-no-trace approach to skincare. We cleanse and moisturize the skin without disrupting its delicate ecosystems. If you want to support Denise and join me in ditching the suds, get 20% off any Crude product right now by heading to livecrude.com and entering code BOSSEDUP at checkout. Thank you for supporting the female-driven companies that support this podcast. Last week in our regular Boss Moves segment at the end of each episode where we like to shine a spotlight on the achievements our community members are making, we heard from Faye who had just quit her toxic job to strike out on her own and start her own brick and mortar company. Now, when Faye called in, she had an almost recognizable sound of euphoria in her voice that I've heard in so many founders right on launch day. And it reminded me a lot of that wild concoction of endorphins and adrenaline and stress and fear and anxiety that all seems to mix together when you're making a huge boss move like that. It sounded so familiar to me because that feeling, that adrenaline pumping experience of starting your own company or side hustle, it's a lot like riding a roller coaster. Most of the anxiety and fear tends to build on that first long, 
climb to the top of the roller coaster. You know what I'm talking about when that roller coaster makes that click, 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 click sound all the way up to the top before you take that first leap, before you make that first big drop, before you launch your company. That's when you're on the precipice of making a huge boss move that you've got all those butterflies in your stomach. Then launch day arrives. Things are crazy. You are full of excitement and adrenaline and pride and maybe a bit of fear, but you're basically obsessed with your new endeavor. You're obsessed with your new creation and you want to do everything you can to make it work. And after that first huge drop, though, you don't have another slow, steady climb to really build up the stress and anxiety that's going to come again before your next twist and turn. Before all the loop-de-loops that lie ahead, you've got to figure out how to get through all of those twists and turns and banks with speed and, frankly, with a little bit of agility. You've got to figure out how to be nimble in this new normal that you've created for yourself. This is really the startup slog, the part of the process where it's your job to operationalize and figure out how on earth you're going to make this company work for you. This is what I call striving for sustainable success. And in those first precious days, weeks, and months of your new company's life or your new organization or side hustle's existence, That's a really hard concept to even wrap your head around. When I first started Bossed Up, I knew I had to temper my own energy and excitement and enthusiasm in order to keep this thing in mind that I was striving for long-term sustainable success, not grinding so hard that I was going to set myself up to burn out yet again, something I had already experienced before the age of 25. So today's guest, who's joining me to talk through how to handle operationalizing and striving for sustainable success in those precious early days of your new endeavor, is not only a certified Bossed Up trainer who's presented many times at our Bossed Up boot camps, she's also a yoga instructor and multiple studio owner who knows a thing or two about keeping calm through chaos. So let's jump right into today's career conundrum from Faye and my interview with Jess. How did you get the proverbial balls, if you will, um, to start Bossed Up on your own? And and what was the tipping point for you when you knew that you had to do this? And what was the first step that you took? That's actually like three questions. Well, Faye, I am so glad that you asked this question. And these three questions really are so important to think about. There is no one else that I thought of before I thought of a friend of mine here in Washington, D.C., where I'm recording today, who is has been on a similar journey to me. And I'm so excited to be joined in studio by Jess Pierno, a friend of mine, the founder and chief inspiration officer behind Yoga Heights DC, which as you can guess, perhaps by the name, is a yoga studio. And I want to congratulate you, Jess, on opening your second brick and mortar space. Yeah. And thanks so much for being here. Thank you. So Jess, tell us a little bit about your business, Yoga Heights DC, and how you got started. Sure. So I can totally relate to coming out of a very male-dominated world. I was formerly working in the Department of Defense 
and, you know, really had followed a path. I went to grad school. I thought that was the route for me. I was really excited to, like, use my creativity and my skills and my drive and ambitious self in that world. And then I got there and I spent two years and turns out I hated it. Uh, (laughs) And I think a lot of us have that experience, right? We think we're supposed to do something. We follow the path. We do all the right things. And then it turns out to not actually be so great. Yeah. And for various reasons, you know, it's no one's fault in particular. It just just wasn't the right match for me and my skills. So that was sort of my after several moments of nothing really moving forward in my career and sort of seeing my future roll out in front of me, not really that exciting, not really advancing. I knew like, okay, something's got to change. I'm too young for this. (laughs) Why would I just keep shoving my feet in high heels if it makes me very unhappy? Yeah. And that's part of the reason I think we first came to know each other, because that's what we specialize in at Bossed Up is making very dramatic pivots. Like, what do you do when you've been preparing your whole life for a, a Department of Defense career? And how on earth did you pivot to being a yoga entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, talk about identity change. Right. <laughs> I actually, as a hobby during my time working in DOD, took a yoga teacher training. And it just felt like, okay, this is a healthy choice. It'll be a hobby, something to distract me from the fact that I don't like my job. And I distinctly remember that moment in training when my teacher looked at me and said, you're really good at this. Like The world needs you and this and what you have to offer. And it was like, my heart exploded open. And I'm sure there were tears in the moment of like relief of, oh my God, I've been spinning my wheels for so long and no one's really seen that in me that I knew I had. Mm. And finally, someone saw it. I have to ask, because I also feel like we sometimes are waiting for that permission, which is part of why I'm so excited by Faye's question, because it's clear to me that she hasn't waited, right? She's taking the leap. She's quitting her job. And now in some ways, she's looking for that validation that she does have permission to have the courage to make such a drastic pivot. Yeah, I think, you know, Not everyone needs to immediately quit their job and follow their heart. And yes, we should all live with passion and we should all be alive and great. But we can also do it in a reasonable way. (laughs) Right. No shade, Faye. Yeah. Because I'll be clear, on my path to entrepreneurship, I quit my job and I was gung-ho and I was running on pure adrenaline. And then three months later, I was broke and had to get another job. And it basically took me two years of working on Bossed Up as a side hustle before I could prudently go full-time time again. So Faye, if you're listening and you're worried about finances, A, know that that's a topic we're going to talk a lot more about on future episodes. And B, also know that you can go back and forth. Like you can find a way to make your business a side hustle and or jump in full speed ahead. Yeah. And my guess is Faye is not a dummy and she knows that she needed to have some kind of safety net, right? I'm guessing, I don't know (laughs) you, Faye, but I'm guessing you didn't just say like, peace out, no more income for me. What's going to happen next? No. I mean, you sort of begin the thinking process about your business way before you make that leap. And you start looking at what are the risks? How much income do I need to live, to pay the bills, to eat? What are my advantages? You know, for me, I had a husband who had a steady job. So I knew that like, we weren't going to be out on the street. Worst case scenario, I always had in the back of my mind, I can go wait tables again. 
I can make money somehow, you know. Like, I was a babysitter yeah. for quite a while when yeah. I started Bossed Up. And no shame in that, right? Like right. your side hustle might need a side hustle to support you totally. while you get up and running. And that's totally normal. But I don't think that's often acknowledged. There's this sort of like glorified vision of like, and then I started my business and money yeah. rolled in and everything was great. And well, to admit any kind of vulnerability there makes you a failure, which it does not. No. Right. There's such a misnomer on around that. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we create safe spaces for women to be real about the risks involved. How did you sort of calculate the risks? How did you crunch the numbers? How did you finance a brick and mortar business? Yeah. Things got real for me when I started moving it out of my head and onto paper. And I used a business planning service online. It's called Live Plan, L-I-V-E Plan. And they just asked the right kind of questions of how to build out a business plan. So it got me thinking and actually like putting numbers in a spreadsheet and looking at here's how much rent it's going to cost. Here's how much marketing is going to cost. Here's what I can make per class, per student. Here's what I need to pay myself, my teachers, you know, really like... It's kind of boring, but it's the literal nitty gritty that you have to lay out in front of you. And once I started seeing those numbers, I realized, okay, this is possible. Had you done anything like that before, a profit and loss statement of any kind? No, I do have an undergraduate in economics, ah! which I never really thought was going to come <laughs> in handy for anything. So I think maybe that plays some role yeah. here. But I you took know. one econ class by way of comparison, and I vaguely remember seeing a profit and loss statement once yeah. in my life prior to starting my business. So if we think those things are boring and challenging and kind of almost random, you know, in, in their, what's the right They're word? Just mundane. Like, yeah. It's just the stuff you got to do. Then you can do it too, in yeah. other words. Faye, you got this. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I also like to talk to people when they're asking about, should I or shouldn't I start a business? Should I quit my job? Not everyone is necessarily going to be a great business owner and manager and someone who's really into that running of the business. Because what happens in so my world is yoga. Many yoga teachers think like, oh, I love yoga. I love teaching yoga. I'm going to open a yoga studio. And then they fail miserably because they don't love business. Running a business. They don't like yeah. profit and loss statements. They don't like hiring and firing. They don't like mopping the floors. Yeah. Right. And so you also have to consider all of those jobs that go into running a business that might actually detract from your passion and the thing that you're so good at in a way that makes it very not fun anymore and you might fall out of love with it very quickly. Yes. We are all about bringing back hobbies here at Pasta. Mm, That's something yeah. you and I talk a lot about and how great it is to have a passion and a hobby and how not everybody's passion needs to yield a paycheck. Yeah. So for those of you listening who are thinking, am I a failure if I don't start a business? The answer is no. no. <laughs> but here's my question for you. When I made my profit and loss statement, the costs and overhead for an online business were in some ways far less than what I assume most brick and mortar businesses have to deal with. So when it came down to paying for rent, buying a bunch of yoga mats, right, interior decor, exterior decor, how did you figure that part out? A big thing is shop around and know that you should get two to three price quotes on everything, everywhere, always. Because we're talking like thousands of dollars differentiation between, for example, I'm getting signs for the outside of my building. One place is telling me it's going to be $8,000. Literally another is telling me $4,000. Wow. For the same sign. Yeah. I'm going with the $4,000 <laughs> one. So a yoga studio 
is basically a big empty room, right? <laughs> so in terms of businesses we're, we're looking at starting, there's not a lot of stuff you need to purchase up front. You'll have your rent. You have to negotiate your lease. You'll have to buy some basic furniture, some cubbies, whatever, from Ikea. Literally, I scoured Craigslist and drove my little Honda CRV all over town and picked really? up cubbies. Like, you would never business. guess that, how gorgeous your studio oh, yeah. is. Yeah, it was like held together with, you know, duct tape and <laughs> Craigslist, spit. Baby. <laughs> it's, it's a hustle. Yeah. And one thing to note is for businesses that do crunch those numbers, if you are looking at your profit and loss statement and you see a very big upfront chunk of money you need to get into the business. There are lots of financing options that we're not going to get into on today's conversation, but we will cover in a further episode with a further conversation. So don't forget that there are angel investors. There are venture capitalists if your business is very scalable. There are also good old-fashioned bank loans. And the Small Business Association is a great resource for any entrepreneurs who want to better understand their financing options. But today we're really talking about hustling and uh, bootstrapping kind bootstrapping. of method. Yeah. For me, I didn't want to take out debt. I had saved and saved and saved, and I was able to invest my own money to fund it. But here's another big like, ding, do this. I got a business partner who could also join me and share some of the cost. And so basically, she was a friend, which there's lots of conversations <laughs> about should you or should you not go into business with friends. But she was in a similar point in her career, and she wanted big change in her life. She was also a yoga teacher. So she said to me, like, hey, I want in. Yeah. Here's the amount of money I can offer. And so between the two of us, we scraped together our pennies. That's what we use to figure out our ownership distribution. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't all on my shoulders. And it still isn't all on my shoulders, which is so helpful. So important. And when it comes to Faye's question about courage, one of the first things you can do, whether or not you pursue a co-founder, is creating a board of advisors. For me, that was critically important, is surrounding myself with basically a formalized mentor circle and saying, will you serve as an advisor? Not that there's any money exchange, not that there's any equity exchange, but would you be on my board of advisors for this? And for me, that was really instrumental in giving me the courage to do this because everyone feels scared when they're completely alone. Yeah. And sometimes it's not about the courage to take that first leap. Like, Faye, yeah. you already took it, right? Yeah. But you're going to need continued courage because it's the long game here. If you want a business that's going to last, I think the current statistics are 50% of businesses fail within their first five years. Mm -hmm. You're going to need courage every day to keep going and figure out the problems and the solutions and how to keep yourself moving forward. It is such a roller coaster. I completely relate to that. And I'm just passing the five-year threshold this year, which is exciting. Yeah. How long ago did you go into this? We're hitting four this year. Ooh, very We're exciting. Close. That's exciting. So what was it like after you took that leap? Because I remember that first leap also being very adrenaline pumping. And then what I experienced next can be politely described as the startup slog, the operationalizing, the boring realities of looking at the numbers you estimated and realizing your estimates were way off in a few different arenas and adjusting as such. That's to me where the resilience really came into play. Yeah, you can't freak out when things don't go according to plan because they will not go according to plan. And so if you're someone who needs that, like, assurance, if you're not risk tolerant, entrepreneurship is not a great place to be. We signed our lease December 18th. And then the difference with a brick and mortar versus online is 
you got to build it. Literally, someone's got to hammer and nail it together. (laughs) Not something I knew anything about. So there's a whole aspect of who do you work with? Architects and contractors and getting quotes from contractors and um, what color do you want your walls? And what does that say about your business? What's the aesthetic you're looking for? So there's a lot of decisions around that. And you kind of make them all up front. And then you wait. <laughs> someone's got to do the work and build it. Ah. Permitting is a beast of a problem. It took us for this second opening. It took nine weeks mm-hmm. just to get a permit so that we could start. Mm. building. And you used to work for the government, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I'm I'm one of those people who's a proud capitalist and a liberal. And yet I really distinctly remember when I moved myself and my business from d- the District of Columbia to Colorado, which in so many ways is a laissez-faire state. I was like, what do you mean business licensing here is like only for 17 kinds of businesses and not everyone? And wow. what do you mean I don't need to pay $400 <laughs> just to operate every couple of years like I did in D.C.? So know thy government. Because yeah. when you are a small business owner, government and you have to get along. And this is not something I knew anything about. And people out there starting up a business probably don't, right? Like, who really spends their time learning about business licensing? But there are people who do know. So I went all over town to all kinds of networking events and SCORE um, counseling and women's business network meetups. And you can just soak up information like a sponge by just putting yourself out there and meeting and greeting and talking and getting coffee with people and really sort of sharing your tips and tricks that you learn along the way. Yeah. I had a business buddy who was starting her business right around the same time as I was starting mine. Totally different businesses. She was a cupcakery and I was a yoga studio. But we were able to bounce off of each other nonstop. Like, hey, did you know this thing? Hey, did you know how to set up a website? Do you know how to get your email address where it's actually the name of your email address (laughs) at Google, right? Yeah. All these things. Having that other person is so helpful. Bouncing ideas back and forth is incredibly empowering. That's part of why the Bossed Up Courage community on our website, to me, is so powerful. Because you can literally go there and say, this is the one small significant problem that's making me stuck right now. Who can help me with this? And you'll get a bunch of people to respond in real time, whether you're an entrepreneur or someone in the job hunt or whatever it is. So find your community. And sometimes it means you know reaching out and proactively being generous, like you're saying, and then asking for generosity in return. Yeah, you know... There's no better way to learn something than by teaching. So often if someone's coming to you asking for ideas or mentorship or guidance, it's great because it's going to fuel your own fire and it's going to make you learn something a little bit deeper and a little more thoroughly. You might have to do a little bit of digging and researching just to answer their questions. But that's some of the best motivation that I get for new ideas and, and growth. That's such a good point. So I think we've hammered home the concept of community being absolutely significant, of resources being resourceful, whether that means scouring Craigslist or heading out to the Small Business Association meetups that are out there or SCORE webinars and meetups. And the thing that I think keeps a lot of folks stuck, I remember myself having written an entire business plan, talked to everybody I could talk to, and I, like so many people, found myself waiting, psychologically stuck. Not that anything else was keeping me from going, but just waiting for someone to say, okay, go, you have permission. And 
at what point in time did you feel truly inside of your heart, like, I need to walk away from this governmental career path that I've been on for a while. I need to take off the heels. And this is like an inevitability. I need to answer the call that is becoming a yoga professional. What was that like for you? Well, it's a very specific moment. I was on a camping trip and I, it was my 29th birthday. And I'd been working in DOD for a few years and kind of trudging through and really not liking it. But, you know, kind of there was always like a carrot dangling to keep me trying for something else. And so we were on this little vacation and I basically had a breakdown. I woke up the morning of my birthday crying. Couldn't stop crying. My poor husband was like, (laughs) what is going on? What do I do? We were with friends. He was like, I don't know what I should tell my (laughs) friends. And it was just this like something snapped. It was it was this knowledge that I was not able to go back and continue to keep trudging forward. When I looked around my office and I saw so many people there who just appeared to me to be trudging forward every day, unhappy, sick, literally the the physical posture of sitting at their computer all day was making them sick. The lack of respect, the frankly not great money that they were earning. (laughs) Yeah. It just, I couldn't find the silver lining anywhere in any of it to make me say I should keep doing that. I knew that's the day when I was like, yep, I have to make a change. I didn't necessarily know what the change was going to be exactly. That's when the ball got rolling on thinking about, okay, I know I like teaching yoga. Maybe that could be a business. But I knew something had to be dramatically shifted. Yeah, yeah. And then I <laughs> I started down the path of opening a studio, very open to the idea that a stop sign might drop in my path and I should stop. And so I kept saying to people, like, I have this thing I'm working on. It's kind of crazy. I know. I just paid, like... for a graduate degree. What am I doing? Leaving that behind. I'm open to a stop sign if it happens. And it never happened. That is so on point. Yeah. I mean, I just started like sharing the idea with friends. That's when I talked with my business partner. And to her, I said, you know, I'm, I'm willing to stop this if something, if the universe tells me to stop. And it didn't. And then we got this amazing lease. Again, no stop sign there. Teachers and friends from my own teacher training in my own community started expressing, hey, I'll come work for you. Sure, I'll come teach for you. The community around the yoga studio didn't have any yoga. And so people kept starting to voice like, hey, that sounds like something we need in this neighborhood. So there was like inherently support built into this plan. And I, to this day, I still say, if a stop sign drops in my path, I'll stop. Right. I'll reassess. But it There's no stop sign so far. It almost sounds a little like Buddhist detachment, right? This idea of I'm not going to say to the world, this has to succeed. I am physically, emotionally, spiritually invested in this business succeeding, right? It's more like I'm going to observe what's happening around me. I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to go forth with the confidence that I have what it takes to make it work. And I'm going to listen and be you know, keenly aware of any stop signs instead of ignoring stop signs because I can't risk seeing stop signs because then my whole personal sense of self-worth will crumble. 
And I see a lot of entrepreneurs going that path instead of the detached, this might not work out, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Yeah, it's so important to keep in mind that the business is not you. The business's value and worth is not your value and worth. And so you as a human can try new things and fail, you know, really dramatically. And that's okay. It doesn't make you a failure. But when you get too caught up in it, when you suddenly see criticism of the business as criticism of yourself, or you see debt piling up, it's not that you have done something wrong. It's not that you are a terrible person. You don't deserve this. It's just that you have to look at your business plan. You have to make changes and adapt. Absolutely. Well, Faye, we are cheering you on here at Bossed Up. And for those who want to learn more about Jess Pierno and her incredible work, Jess, where can our ladies keep up with you and your great studios? We would love to have you all join us for yoga because we do yoga online. So go to yogaheightsdc.com. You'll see a link up there for videos online and you can do yoga with me every day. I love it. And having been through a few of Jess's yoga classes, as myself. I can vouch for them. Don't miss this. We'll put all her details in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here, Jess. Thank you so much. I love sharing this information. And now it's time for today's listener-submitted Boss Moves Moment of the Week. Hi, Emily. My name is Laura Forrester from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I work at a local advertising agency. And this agency has been founded by brothers. This is managed by uh, mostly men. And during this sort of time of reckoning for women, I was really compelled to talk to them about the opportunities needed for women. So I had a great meeting that I called um, to speak to the principals and requested a budget, recommended types of seminars, and they agreed to do this, which is amazing. I just had to ask for it. Congratulations, boss. We are all cheering you on. And thank you so much for calling in to share your boss moves. You really never know who you're inspiring when you share your own come up story. So if you've got some boss moves to share, or if you've got a career conundrum that you want us to unpack next on the podcast, give our podcast hotline a call and leave your voicemail now at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. And for those of you who want to get some career advice from me, IRL, in real life, I want to let you know that we are hosting our Bossed Up Bootcamp training program, our flagship weekend-long program for women navigating career transition in the Big Apple this April. You can register for Bossed Up Bootcamp in New York City, April 28th and 29th, right now at bossedup.org. Thanks so much for listening. Keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose. And together, let's continue to lift as we climb.
let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.